Hello and welcome to The Shana Show. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and mindset coach. I'm on a mission to help you live a nourished life on every single level. This podcast dives into the world of holistic health and personal development. Here, I combine practical knowledge and tools with the science of behavior change to help you embody your best self. It's my aim that this podcast inspires you and provides you with the resources to live the life of your dreams. So if you're ready to become your happiest and healthiest self, you are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is Jess Ainsworth, who is a women's healing expert. And I have had the pleasure of experiencing a healing session with Jess many years ago now. Um, And I just wanted to bring her on the podcast because she is an absolute expert when it comes to healing and healing at a really deep level. None of the superficial level where things are going to keep coming back or we're just going to keep reliving the same traumas. She's willing to go deep and make serious, sustainable change with people. And I thought that would be a really cool thing to dive into. So first up, thank you so much for being here with me today, Jess. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, you're so welcome. It's such an absolute pleasure. I feel like to get started, let's chat a little bit about your story and how you even discovered the healing world um, and kind of went on your own journey of growth. Yeah, yeah, cool. So the way that I actually discovered healing, my mum is a really spiritual person. So we grew up with like a lot of like Buddha quotes and a lot of spirituality and a lot of lessons trying to be forced upon us of like you can't change a person you can only change how you react to a person and (laughs) lots of those quotes and we used to kind of oh eye roll hated it wasn't into it and then when i was about 19 um i went through i was in a relationship um or like a new relationship and um i was with my now ex-husband so i'd met him i wanted to start working on myself because at the start it wasn't for me. I had zero self-worth. I wanted to be the best version of me for him. Mm. So I'd started working on myself because I realized that there was things that I was doing that I didn't like or that didn't feel right that he didn't like. Mm. Um, So I actually picked up, I asked my mom, I went to my mom and I was like, all right, I want to start into this stuff. What can I do? And she was like, okay, she waited her whole life for this moment. She (laughs) was like, (laughs) she was like, yes, it worked. Um, So she gave me the book, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, which anyone that's into this world will be like, yes, I started with that book too. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Yeah, everyone did. It's like, it's just like the intro of like, this is... Um, and I loved it and I was reading it and then as I was reading it, I like put it down and then the next day some stuff started to come up and I was like, oh, what's this? And I was kind of having what I would call maybe like flashbacks, um, to memories and moments in the past and things like that. Um, and then I'd contacted my mom and was like, I don't feel good. Like (laughs) shit's coming up. This is really scary. Um, and so she had paid for me. She said to me then go and see this lady she's a healer i didn't believe in it at all Mm -hmm. um but she was paying i was like yep cool you're paying i'll go and i went to this lady and she did this healing session and then 48 hours later i was just like what has she done to my brain it was like i couldn't understand how like my beliefs had changed and I used to have a really bad relationship with my stepdad. All of a sudden I was giving him a hug and I loved him and all of this was just shifting. And I just was like, I'm a very logical person. So I was like, but how, like, how, how is that possible? There has to be a scientific explanation. And it just like set me up. Like it just became from that moment forward, my like passion, but also I was like a dog with a bone. Like I just, couldn't let it go until I could understand like how healing works on every level. So I went like quantum physics and spirituality and I went NLP and brain and hypnosis and beliefs and then the body and the nervous system and somatics. And like, I wanted to understand how triggers work and how memory works. And I went deep dive for, I still am deep diving. (laughs) I feel like I've kind of got it all worked out now, (laughs) but that was like how I got into this kind of, Um, like that was what prompted it and got me into like this line of work and it wasn't even until probably five years ago seven years ago I started practicing 
Um, but like four or five years ago, I actually started working full time in the industry. Before that, it was just an obsession. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. And just out of curiosity, what type of healer was the original one you went to see? She was a theater healer. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah, but she had done um, she'd done lots of other like ancestral, generational, really spiritual out there stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but what she did to me was pretty much theater healing, theater healing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was just curious because there's so many amazing modalities yeah. and I probably also oh, should have mentioned in the intro, you've created your own modality, the Aruka yes. modality. Do you want to talk a little bit about Aruka and how that's different to the other healing modalities out there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's different in that it is all of those things that I just talked about in one modality, because I was like, cool so like feed is great like spiritually feed is great for um removing beliefs and there's a really good forgiveness technique but theta doesn't fix the flashbacks if you have big trauma and it doesn't fix your nervous system you're still in fight or flight and it also doesn't sometimes purge the emotions you can bypass that by doing all the brain work so that i was like oh nlp that'd be good and i just kept studying all these different things and i was like they're all pieces of the puzzle but no one is doing it all like it's not all encompassing yeah. and so i was like seeing this pattern of people that were like oh like people would say hypnotherapy is amazing it's it's the best thing ever and then someone else would say breathwork is the best thing ever like hypnotherapy is shit breathwork's amazing and they would like say that this one thing worked for them but what i found over time was that they tried everything and then they think that the last thing is the best thing but it's because it kind of all of a sudden they'd healed their brain their body they'd purged emotions they'd healed their soul they'd done all of the different types of healing so they kind of blended it all together and I was like imagine if I blended all of these things together and you got that in one session yeah, where you huge. were like yeah where you were regulating <laughs> your nervous system changing your brain purging your emotions like doing all of that in one session so yeah. that was where it came from and it actually was an accident because I was seeing clients and getting such big results that I would get from every client three or four referrals. Wow. I yeah. had so many messages from people, like really intense messages, like, I need to see you, I'm suicidal, or this thing happened to me, like really big messages. And I was just like, I just, I just don't have the time. Like I, I've seen nearly 700 people in my like four to five years. Wow. And that was like, and I had to like push people away. So it was literally to the point where one of my friends said to me, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me what you do. And then you can send them to me. And then once I started writing down, well, like, this is what I do and writing, I was like, oh, this isn't actually anything that I've learned. Like I've actually just created this myself. Yeah. And then I just like eroded, eroded all out. And then she was like, this is a full course. And then it just, I went into that and I sold it to like four people at the start. And I was like, this is amazing. Like that was it. And then all of a sudden more people wanted it and it just kept going. So it was like, again, totally natural progression. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And I do remember back, I don't remember how many years ago it was that I saw you, but I remember it was very all-encompassing and it was very deep and it wasn't like anything I had experienced before. And I have been to many different types of healers and love all of the different healing modalities, but yours was a really unique blend of a few. And yeah, now that you explain that as well, I'm like more pieces are clicking and I'm like, yeah, I do remember there being different parts and pieces and yeah, I can yeah. see why it's so powerful coming from that perspective. Cause I also agree. I think like all of these modalities, the all the different ones that are separate, they all are so good for certain things, but not necessarily the bridge. So congrats to you for creating yeah. the bridge <laughs> and <laughs> using you. them all together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was it took a while, obviously. Like there was, I think there was a moment where I'd I'd had most of it. I was like, cool. So I get the energy, I get the brain, get the emotions, but I was just like, but why are we fixing that? And people are still clenching their jaw and like, why is this still happening? And then I realized like the triggers and like implicit memory and things like that and how our body can store memory. And I started going down like the nervous system memory path. And then once I brought that into like the energy, spirituality, brain and everything, I was like, oh, that's it's it's done. It's done. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's really cool. And how did you go about researching all of these different types? Were you just like reading lots of books or checking stuff out online, online courses? Like where did you kind of go? So I, I had like definitely heaps of books, yeah. um, courses, like in-person courses, online courses. Yeah. Um, so like hypnotherapy, NLP, EFT, TFT, like the theta wow. I ended up studying um, and then like yeah. reconnective healing. I read, I didn't do that course, but I did the book, which really yeah. guides you through. Oh, um, and then, yeah. And then recently breath work, I did like an eight week nervous system um, course, which was really informative. So yeah. yeah, but then I also have this brain where like even in my breathwork studies, you know, they teach you how to do the breathwork pattern and they teach you all of that. And then I was like, but why does it work? <laughs> but yeah. why does it, why Don't does it bring up emotion? And they were like, yeah. oh, it just works. And I'm like, no, but why? <laughs> yeah. But how? Like what's happening <laughs> physiologically? So then I go down rabbit holes on Google and I like look and I kind of am like, what happens when you breathe this way? And then I learn about hyperventilation and then I learn about how your brain goes hyper focused but if your eyes are closed then the focus goes inwards and so that's why you have such heightened awareness of you what's going on in your body and so i like really start to i'm like that it's like um <laughs> linking information together all of the time and yeah. it's just trying to feed it back in to make it make sense and my brain just doesn't have an off switch when it comes to that <laughs> you're a projector in human design aren't you I am. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I am too. Yeah. And that's totally how we work as projectors, like linking all the things, finding all the most efficient ways. Like, yeah, that makes so much sense how you've gone down this path and collected yeah. so much like information that's now so effective and being like, no guys, like this is how we can do it and simplify all that. We don't have to go the long way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm all about the shortcuts. Like sometimes there is none and you have to do the thing, but totally. I'm all yeah. totally all about like yeah, but why would you do all of that when you could just like even with some of the modalities i learned it would be like you have to watch the belief move and then you have to say it with theta it is done it is done it is done three times and then once i started learning about energy i was like who's monitoring that like yeah. no you just shift it and it's done because it is done because you did it and it's energetic and it just moves and because you have the intention it's moved and so i started culling like all these things out and just really simplifying everything back to the basics yeah. and that's what all of my students have been like yes you just say it in a way i can get it and it's easy to understand whereas other people really stretch it out and complicate it yeah yeah amazing and I remember recently, I'm not sure why this exact thing popped into my mind right now, but I remember you recently did a video about um, why Aruka and your healing modality is different to talk therapy and how talk therapy is like mowing the grass and then yes. actually going deep in the healing work is like pulling it out at the roots. Do you want to speak a little bit more to that and the benefit of actually working with the roots rather than just continuing to kind of go band-aid things? Yes. Yeah. So like I always see Band-Aid things is like, I, I love things like Reiki and energy healing. Um, even breathwork to a degree can be purging, but not really getting to the roots. Yeah. Um, and the same as talk therapy. So when you're doing talk therapy, you're in the beta brainwave. And so you're just pretty much speaking from your programs. Yeah. And your programs are dictating what you're saying, even to your therapist. Whereas the root, like the deep work that we do, we go behind and we work with the programs. So we're not getting the responses from the programs. We're like literally changing the programs. And yeah, I feel like a lot of work that people do, it feels good temporarily. Like you feel that shift and you're like, this is great. And then you just go back to how you were feeling before because you haven't actually got rid of that, the thing that triggered the pain in the first place. Yeah. And that triggered the response so you're just like i feel really angry okay let's remove all that anger but what made you angry in the first place what's the core what's the wound that's being poked every time so i can't do surface level i can't do let's just make you feel better temporarily it's like that thing again i you need to get to the root and once you do get to the root which is generally a memory or a moment in time mm -hmm. and you heal that and you like close it off I, I would call it a closed memory versus like a traumatic memory is an open memory yeah. um once once you close that off like you don't have those daily reactions anymore you're not carrying those emotions because they're not being triggered because the, the initial wound is closed so it's um like I just 
uh, my brain can't work any other way than ripping out the roots. But that is why so many people don't get those results because they're just talking about the superficial problems without ever actually getting to the underlying cause. Yeah, I love the way you explain that. It's just such a game changer when it does come to making that long-term change because I've definitely noticed a similar thing depending on which route I can take. Even if I'm doing like the emotional processing techniques, which is so beneficial, if I don't actually spend that time looking like, why did that come up? Like you used anger as the example. It's like, what triggered me in the first place? Where'd the anger come from? Then we're going to just continue having to relive and keep processing all these emotions. And obviously emotions are part of the human experience, but when we can make it easier for ourselves and clear a lot of our triggers and patterning and conditions it just makes our life a more pleasant experience <laughs> absolutely and the more yeah. you do it the more then you're aware because if you're doing it yeah. all the time if you're doing it and this is why I talk actually about like the stages of healing because as you as you would know you can also get addicted to healing totally yeah <laughs> and so there's like those like stages where there's got to be a stage which people bypass mm. there's got to be a stage where you do that where you're like where's this anger coming from what's triggering it what's the belief behind it what's the wound and you spend a period of time like dredging that up and shifting and dredging it up and shifting mm. and then it's got to get to that point where like you said human like we're humans we have emotions where mm. you're like oh i'm feeling angry but i'm not really going to investigate it i'm just going to scream into a pillow and then go and dance and get on with my day yeah <laughs> whereas totally. most people don't get to that point they just like either fully skip the bit where you do the work (laughs) or they get stuck in the work and they're constantly evaluating every single emotion and every single thought that they have and they get stuck in that healing trap and they never move to the part where they just be a human and enjoy all the work that they've done totally yeah or everything is like oh that must be some part of me that's unhealed or some shadow part of me where's that me causing this reaction or response in the other person and not necessarily just being like actually this time it's not me it's their stuff that they're projecting onto yes. me like yes, not actually that just pissed me off yeah exactly they're just not aligned yeah. like whatever it is <laughs> yes yes yeah. and it's so easy to get stuck in that like in yeah. that evaluating and dissecting every little thing and it's probably with like my long-term clients the number one like that's why i created self-mastery because it's all about that because i was like okay there's way too many people that just keep coming back to me wanting to dredge up stuff and i'm like you're sweet just enjoy life yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's such a funny one do you think that um addiction to healing comes from like a lower self-worth or insecurities and feeling like you still need to do more or be better or where do you think that kind of comes from I think it is like the ultimate validation of the fact that you're still not enough. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Still not enough. Still got to keep working (laughs) on yourself. But also for most people, it's actually more so your nervous system. I think our nervous systems get, we come to healing because we've been stuck in fight or flight or dissociation for such a long time. Then we do the healing work. And then unconsciously we learn that by doing the healing work, we actually also keep ourselves stuck in that pattern because we're bringing up trauma and we're crying and we're purging emotions, which is still activation. So there's also a part of us that gets like addicted to the healing because it's still a level of stress for our bodies. The hardest part is coming out of that and teaching people like you just get to have a good life now and have fun and be happy and they're like ew well no oh I can't do that (laughs) yeah like that's that's the hardest step to break like the healing work is actually for them easier like there's a lot of people that are their nervous systems want to keep reliving the trauma yeah especially people with complex trauma so like with complex trauma um, which is some, this is something I, I've spoken about and something I learned when I went to Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. I went to his um, two-day workshop. It was intense. It was like the most intense thing I've ever done. Um, and he talked about how the traumatised brain, the person who has been through so like um, complex childhood trauma, so ongoing repetitive trauma over their whole childhood is very different to one or two traumatic events happening. So people that are in abusive um, childhood homes, their brains actually develop differently to regular people. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the part of the brain that makes you, that gets activated when you do something that you love, that makes you feel really alive and like, yes, this is what life is all about. With the traumatized person, the only time that they have that part of their brain activated, and this is shown on brain scans, is when they relive their trauma. So what happens, yeah, is these people get addicted to healing because they're constantly reliving their trauma. 
and you'll notice that they go from healer to healer so that they can keep working on the same trauma even though it's probably healed (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's um yeah so that part of the brain gets activated and they feel really alive because they're because that's the way that their brain has been wired so they can only feel that sense of aliveness when they're reliving either through themselves or through someone else which is why they trauma bond so that they can then live through someone else's trauma Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I saw that weekend when you were learning from Brussels, like I was like, oh, that would be such a cool workshop to be at. And like, I'm sure so insightful. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually what like triggered me to move out of, cause I was working solely with complex trauma and CPTSD. And it was actually that bit of information that kind of triggered me to move out of that and into more into like women's empowerment and power and things like that because I was like I'm reliving my own trauma through working with all of these people like that that workshop I would have it was also I was forced to sit and listen Mm -hmm. and I would have heard the words abuse incest abuse rape sexual assault maybe 400 times over two days like it was just he used it as the example because he was like this is the worst kind of trauma that we can see that affects a person's brain and affects them long term so they used it as the example over and over and over and over and I was always like I'm not affected by that I work with that every day but I am affected I was just feeling alive because it was activating my trauma and then I was like you know, living, going about my day. But when I had to sit in a chair and hear it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm shaking and I'm sweaty and it's really activating me. And I'm not as desensitized as I thought I was. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a big insight to have, isn't it? And like, so cool that it like changed the direction of where you're going and who you're supporting and who you're helping. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Like, how are you finding supporting with the empowerment side of things as opposed to the complex trauma. And I'm sure people still come in with their trauma um, that you have to work through to get them to that place of empowerment. So you're still doing this deep healing work. Um, But yeah, what have you found so far? And I know the change is just recent, but I'd love to hear a bit about your experience with that. Yeah, it's been a few months. um, I'm loving it. Like I already had a lot of those clients, but again, it was because I'd moved them from complex trauma all the way through to that point yeah it feels it it the first like few weeks it felt too easy yeah okay (laughs) it felt too easy and I was like "Mm, okay noticing that noticing that it felt like I should be doing more and they were like this is amazing this is the best thing ever but for me it felt so easy because I wasn't being activated and I wasn't dealing with this huge heaviness yeah so it was it's been really powerful and really amazing but it did feel too easy for a little while yeah. but I still do have like everyone has trauma obviously so I'll never get out of it um I still have had a few people come through with like the complex or like really big PTSD trauma mm-hmm. um but because it's not my norm and it's not my every day, it's also felt completely fine to do those sort of one-offs. So mm-hmm. it's really, and it's kind of for me personally, because I am my brand, like I am I, it, like being, as you would know, being you on Instagram is like, it's not like it's a business where I'm selling paper clips and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> look at all these paper clips, like, and there's no personality behind it. Like, this is actually who I am. It's what I'm passionate about yeah. and changing I'd wanted to make this change for so long because I felt myself changing, but I felt like I couldn't fully be who I was because I had this other serious trauma queen label of like, I deal with the the big stuff, the things that people can't even hear about. So it was like, how am I going to show up like dancing and having fun and living my best life when that's my my market so it was like it felt so freeing for me too and actually once I started being more myself like my family and friends were like oh my gosh like that's you you're actually showing up as you now yeah so it was very freeing as well yeah it would have been that's beautiful and I love how it's followed your natural evolution and your natural growth as well and it just makes sense that you have moved more into that empowerment place after working through so much of your big things as well Yeah, yeah for sure yeah. yeah. So, 
I have a question on that, but then I also have one just on the, um, the phase of healing where people can get addicted. What would some of your tips or insights or like, just obviously like this is probably its own whole podcast that you could dive into (laughs) of course, you've got self-mastery, which goes much deeper into this, but are there any just little, um, tips for anyone who might find themselves in that cycle where they are just continuing to relive things and finding it really hard to make that next step and go into that place of empowerment? And being like, cool, I'm, I'm good for now. <laughs> yeah, I think the best thing that I can suggest for people is if you have been doing the work for a long time, making that decision of being like, okay, I'm going to move, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move into the part where I see my thoughts and I witness my thoughts and then I just kind of let them go. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm having this like negative thought about myself. I'm witnessing that that's happening. I'm just going to, just going to that's not true i'm just going to put pop that to the side i'm just not going to indulge in that i'm just going to release that or i'm feeling anger okay i'm not going to dissect that i'm just going to scream into a pillow i'm feeling sadness i'm going to cry and then i'm going to start dancing i'm going to move on yeah that kind of like starting that process and making the decision to not do any more work and to commit to being happy and calm and living the life that you've been working towards. Cause there's always a life that we're working towards, right? It's um, like, I'm going to heal so <laughs> that I can live this life, but really we could probably live that life right now. Yeah. So we commit to doing that. And then what you find is something that I talk about in um, two of the programs that I've done is that one, you're going to realize pretty quickly where your blocks are once you start trying to live your best life so if you're like going out like i'm not going to do the work anymore i'm going to do what makes me happy and you're going about that period of time and for a week two weeks you're really happy and then all of a sudden you feel anger and you scream it out and then the next day you feel angry again and you scream it out and then this this anger just keeps coming back or this memory or thought just repetitive and it keeps coming back up mm-hmm. that's the time i say to people you just jump back into stage two i call it mm-hmm. you go jump back into stage two you go and see someone you work on that thing you mm-hmm. shift it and then you commit to going back again yeah. and you just and you just you just you assume nothing else is coming and you live your best life and then if something sticks again and you can't shift it you just work on that one thing so you're not actively dredging things up you're not looking for them but if something is like knocking on your door constantly (laughs) you look at it and you you work on it then so that's kind of that's how i live my life that's how i've got the point where i've got a lot of my clients too i won't see them for months and then they'll be like okay this has been pissing me off or this has been coming up for like a month now Mm. i'm obsessing over it can we work on it we shift it i don't see them again for a while so beautiful that's like the flow that i try and get people into (laughs) yeah it sounds like a really healthy approach to it yeah i think so (laughs) yeah absolutely rather than always being fixated on it it's nice to have that like to and froing of when it's necessary but knowing that it's not always necessary it's like it gets to be good too (laughs) it does get to be good and easy but you also have to do that period because i've had people listen to me say this and they're like yes yes i'm just gonna do that and i'm like no 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 no. you've done one healing session you need to do a bit more yeah so there's like a needs to be a period of time where you really are coming to peace with your inner child working through all of your traumas that you're aware of Mm -hmm. um all of the limiting beliefs that you've got coming up repetitively and then moving into that stage like you can't just be like oh yeah i had one healing session so i'm just gonna it's gonna be fine because you just keep going back and forth and then it's kind of confusing so you do need to commit to a period of time (laughs) yeah absolutely I'm a big advocate for having that time where we do dive deep and build that self-awareness and really get to know what's going on behind the scenes and under the surface Um, I feel like you can navigate life so much better when you do have that additional self-awareness as well and when you've done that deep healing oh for sure and when you come out the other side you're like yeah life life is amazing I see clearly now yes (laughs) brighter everything's shiny and rainbows everywhere (laughs) 
beautiful. And speaking of trauma, um, can you talk to that topic a little bit as well? Because I know some of my listeners um, are very familiar with the trauma being like a sliding scale. There's little traumas, big traumas, all of that kind of stuff. But I know often the word trauma is still associated with some of those bigger things, like you mentioned earlier, like the abuse, the rape, the sexual assault, all those kind of things. They're the kind of things we can kind of gravitate to when we hear trauma. So I'd love to hear your perspective of what you said earlier of everyone has trauma and how that can vary. Yeah, for sure. To me, trauma is a memory which has a negative emotion trapped in it. So that memory could be you were in school and someone stole your lunch or told you that you looked stupid. But every time you remember that memory, you feel what it felt like to feel stupid. If you can feel what it felt like in the moment when you think of the memory, that's a trauma. And it doesn't matter what actually happened. It matters how you feel. And I always say this to people because anyone that's like read my story or knows about me will be like, I feel really bad telling you like my little stupid things, like when you've been through everything. And I'm like, how, what I felt in those moments was shame and panic. What you're feeling in this moment is shame and panic. It's the same feeling, it's the same emotion. It's affected us in the same way. You've stored it. The memory is open. It's still affecting you now in the present. It's no different about what happened. It's about how you felt in that moment. And so therefore the, the like sliding scale, as you said, is huge. It can be someone saying something mean to you in the playground that just really stuck with you. And I always say to people as well, if you can remember what someone said when you were in grade four and you <laughs> held on to it, it's trauma because people say shit all the time and you don't remember anything, but you remember that one thing that they said because it's had an effect on you. So anything from like bullying, anything that made you feel shame, anything that made you feel afraid, panicked, sad, lonely, like anything that happened in that way is going to be stored in your body, in your mind, in your nervous system. And it's going to be directing how you live your life now. It's going to shaped who you are. And so, yeah, there's so many like, like emotional abuse is a really common one now. Like a lot of people come and say that their parents were emotionally abusive, which is like name calling and shaming or super high expectations or zero expectations, or like there's such a varying scale of what, of what can affect a person. And that kind of, it does come down as well to like your protective factors. So two people, one person could be, you know, in school and someone says to them, you're a loser, right? And the other person is in school and someone says to them, you're a loser. And this person has a really loving, supportive family who like lifts them up and they know that they're loved. They've got a safe home. They've got really good friends. Mm -hmm. And so when they get called a loser, they go and tell their mom they're a bit sad. They get the support. They get the love. They have these protective factors and they process it in that moment and they don't remember it. This person goes home to... Uh, no protective factors. They don't have anyone to speak about it to. They have no way of processing it. So they store the emotion, they store the belief, and they truly believe that they are a loser and they carry that with them for the rest of their life because they didn't have anywhere to process it. They didn't have any tools to discharge the emotions, to make sense of it, to have an outer perspective saying, or an adult perspective to say, no, you aren't, that child was is a bully or whatever. So they just believe it. So the way that one thing can affect two different people is also completely different. So what's traumatic for one person, you could be like, oh, I got called a loser all the time and it didn't affect me at all. But the other person, it affected them because of those situations and those circumstances were different. So <laughs> we can never judge what is traumatic or not traumatic to someone because you have no idea what support network they had to deal with those traumas. Yeah, absolutely. I love that description. I think it's a really great way to kind of summarize the big spectrum and the different ways different things can impact every person and why it's impacting different people different ways. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. people don't understand that. And they will be like, oh, it's just such a stupid thing to hold on to or whatever. And Yeah, and then there's like, a shame of that. It's like I shouldn't still be carrying that or I shouldn't feel that way or that shouldn't affect me and then they feel shame or, yeah, it's just like leads them into that cycle of, yeah, more shame or more of that emotion that they're trying to avoid. Um, and it's just kind of like sure. a pit that spirals out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they just carry it forever. 
and yeah. they just and then they you know and then they have that perception that they're a loser so then they probably make loser decisions in life yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they don't they just keep recreating the validation that that belief is true mm. and then they'll like attract people into their life or unconsciously choose people that are going to mirror that back to them that yeah. are going to treat them the same way and so it just keeps getting worse and worse to the point where sometimes when I work with people that are a lot older their brain can't even comprehend that it's a belief they're like it's just true I've had so much evidence in my life and so many people have said it to me now that it's just true yeah and they can't see that it started out as this little seed and this little moment in this one little moment when this one person said it and then that's just been the ripple yeah it still like blows my mind and it was a big part of my life where I didn't realize and understand this but just how much our beliefs do create our reality and like now you hear it more often your inner reality creates your external reality all that kind of stuff but to not be aware of that's why a lot of those situations could be being attracted into your life or that's why you have that perception is because of our beliefs it just like blows my mind and I wish like everyone could just understand that it's like if we just like deal on this belief level we're actually completely shifting the way that we see the world and the way that it responds to us and we respond to it like it's huge 100% I'm like I always think of, I can't remember if it's an Einstein quote or whoever it is, but it was just like, like whatever you believe is, is going to manifest into, there's a really good quote on it. But I have that thing of like, I don't want to, if I don't want to experience it, I'll look at the belief and change the belief. So if I, if something's making me like, I had this thing with, um, in school where I would like, cause I was bullied in school. So then when my son started school, I was like, the mums don't like me and like I feel like I'm left out and I was like oh this is like my childhood stuff and so I like shifted all of that and yeah. then like I brought in this belief of like everyone loves me everyone wants to be my friend everyone wants me in their life and then because of that I like all of a sudden started making friends with everyone and I love school and like I just changed my own perception of it because I knew that it was my own perception and that I was walking into school like with my head down and like not talking to anybody but I couldn't stop it but most people have no clue that that's what they're doing and that they're creating that so like to just change one simple belief changes everything yeah it's so incredible What would you say like the consequence of not doing this healing work or not looking at these deep layers of things like belief and identity and patterns and conditioning has towards our life? Like what's the cost of not dealing with it? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Misery. (laughs) Like everyone I know that doesn't look into it. And I have a lot of people like that in my life, even with what I do in that there are people um, in my life or in my extended life that are just like, I have anxiety, I have depression, I'm on these meds, I have ADHD, bipolar, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's trauma, it's trauma. And they won't look at it and they just continue to struggle and suffer and get lower and lower and lower. And it just, it's like, and it's so hard. You can't wake somebody up. You can't make somebody conscious. Like it's something that everybody has to do for themselves. That's the stages I was talking about. Stage one is realization that you can do, that there's a possibility of change because most people are like walking around just like I'm struggling, I'm suffering, I'm struggling, I'm suffering. And someone's like, you should try this. And they're like, I'm struggling, I'm suffering, I'm struggling, I'm suffering. <laughs> and people are like, what about, you know, I did this, I did that. And they just don't even hear it. Yeah. So it's like, I just think like, if you want to create a life that feels good, you have to do belief work because otherwise your whole personality, and I talk about this again, your whole personality, your identity, who you are, yeah. And the way that you experience life, even the, the job that you think you want to do, yeah. everything has been shaped by the people in your life. Like you're not even you until mm. you do the belief work. You are just <laughs> a combination of the school teachers and the family friends and the family and the uncles and aunties and the siblings and what everyone told you you were and what they did and what their limits were and every all that information you absorbed. Like you're not even you, your soul at all. Yeah. It's so crazy, isn't it? And I completely agree with like the not being able to wake people up and it can be so heartbreaking because it's like, there's these things that can really help you. Like, just let me like refer you to someone or let me support you with this or let me give you this tool or this book or whatever it is. And they're just not ready for it. And that's okay. That's their journey. No judgment, but it's also like you want to help and you want everyone to know this work and just like be able to dive deeper and live their best life. Um, so yeah, yes. it's just like such a funny paradox. <laughs> 
especially when you start and you realize how powerful it is like yeah. I did that too and I was just like the most annoying person with the everyone <laughs> that I love because I wanted them to experience how powerful it was but over yeah. time you get to the point don't you where you just like you'll you'll get it one day I know yeah. they know I'm here if they need if they need anything like yeah. I'm just gonna let them live their life <laughs> yeah <laughs> So you've referred to the phases of healing a few times. I'd love if you could just like give us a little recap. You said stage one is um, realization. Realization, yes. the addiction one. So where, yeah, let us know the phases. So stage one is realization that there is a possibility. So for me, it was that moment of like, I think I want to change. I think I need to change. And for Mm -hmm. other people, it's, you know, a breakup, a death, a divorce, or whatever. Like they have this moment. Some people, it doesn't happen until they're 60. Some people, it happens when they're, younger they witness their parents and they're like i never want to be like that and so they start learning different ways or whatever everyone has this moment and then from realization you go into like how how do i do that and that's when you go into the work and you discover like all of the different healing modalities and books and self-help and you go on that whole the stuff it's like your traumas your beliefs purging emotions it's all of the work and then you move into ideally stage three, which is where you become, I guess, more spiritual, where you realize, for me, it's about like that. I always say like, I have this program called Consciousness Revolution, which is where I originally taught these three stages that I'd like realized. I was yeah. saying how like you, like Ram Dass, I love Ram Dass. Yeah. And I, I love the idea of like, that it, like, even the healing work is our ego, right? Like it, mm. even working on the belief of like, I'm not enough and that wound to believe that we are enough, even the validation that we are enough is like, you don't really need that because like you just are because you just aren't. <laughs> you're God and you're nothing. Like, and yeah. that's all just part of your ego. So the, the way that I kind of came to understand it was that if you're going to have an ego, which everybody does, unless you're a monk meditating in the forest, if you're going to have an ego, make it fucking good. (laughs) Make it one that you really like. If you're going to have an identity, create an identity that you love and you can't wake up, can't wait to wake up to be, but also finding that balance between not being attached to that identity. So this is like that cusp of, you know, stage two and three, not being attached to that identity and also just being, conscious being just existing just being present um so it's that stage three is that realization that none of what you did in stage two actually mattered in the scheme of things (laughs) (laughs) so like you're actually nothing and yeah. your story doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> and, and nothing be everything. And you're yeah. everything because you're yeah. God and your consciousness and you're part of all that is. Yeah. And you can't even put a label on the like your soul and on how wide and expansive that is, but also you're nothing because you're a grain of sand in the scheme of that universe. So it's yeah. like getting to that level, but then coming, but then also kind of floating between the two because it's like, well, if I am human and I'm going to have a human experience, I want to make it freaking awesome. So what like beliefs and, you know, what do I need in my human mind to make that a reality? So I always say to people, the ideal for me is to program the desires of your soul into your subconscious so that your subconscious and your soul are aligned and you're actually living like your soul is living a life that it wants to live in this human body yeah I love that (laughs) yeah Yeah. I was like this is it this is what we're doing this is what it should be yeah absolutely and when it comes to the healing work I feel like we can approach it from two ways and we've kind of like spoken about it when it comes to that like getting addicted to it but we can come at it because we feel like we need a change from that pace of lack or not being enough or trying to do it for other people or we can come at it from that place of like I want to dig deeper and I want to find um, my patterns I want to change my beliefs or work with my identity because I know I deserve more and because I love who I am now but I also know that there's more and know that I can do more how do we get that fine balance of doing it from that healthy place where it's like from that really supporting uplifting empowering side of it rather than being like Mm. oh when I do this work then I'll be good enough and then maybe I'll feel that way that we're ultimately trying to feel (laughs) I feel like that's the difference between someone with like a good childhood and someone with a bad childhood I feel like most people with good childhoods come into it wanting to elevate and become better most people with bad childhoods 
there is it takes a long time for them to get to the point where they're doing the work for themselves they're pretty much doing the work so that they don't have to feel pain anymore so that people in their lives will love them mm. so that they will be attractive to other people like they're doing it for external in the beginning yeah. it, it takes them time to get to that point but most like i don't know anyone with a lot of childhood trauma that gets into the work because they think that they deserve a better life like yeah. they just they just it's just not there in the beginning. Yeah. I think that's the difference between like a loving childhood and a loveless or like traumatic childhood. Yeah. And the other thing is the other thing as well that I didn't say before is the most common thing that happens that I see, and I've talked about this and you'll probably be like, yes, is that people have the realization in stage one mm-hmm. of like I need to do some work on myself and then someone hands them a spirituality book or a book on Buddhism or they see spiritual concepts and they go to a spiritual healer and they just go boop and they yeah. skip that that like middle stage stage two of doing the work and they just go I need a change and then they go none of this matters my story doesn't matter and, what, and they just actually pretty much go into dissociation yeah. and they just avoid doing all of that work and they're like i said this the other week they're just kind of like you know floating around life and they're really airy fairy and they kind of take it really far and they're really high because they're not able to be grounded because if they got <laughs> knocked off their meditation stool <laughs> as my saying the other week <laughs> and back into their body and back into reality they haven't done all this middle bit and their humanness is shit and they've got all this trauma and all of this pain in their body mm. that they can only like that they can only avoid if they're super high like not literally well maybe yeah. they are high too but like <laughs> if they're like dissociating and detached from their humanness and you know i'm part of consciousness and they say all of these things about being spiritual and being connected to the universe and things like that which is beautiful but they're doing it to bypass actually their humanness (laughs) yeah it's so true and actually speaking of dissociation I'm pretty sure it was you that used to have glasses and when you realized you actually just like were dissociated from your body that was you right that was me yes Uh, tell us about that that's phenomenal that you don't need glasses because you realized you were just dissociating yeah I got like you know what I mean yeah no I got (laughs) like in high school I had like a lot of problems with my vision and so my mom got me glasses and then I like didn't like wearing them because I felt I didn't like it and then on and off was wearing them and then yeah all throughout my life like I couldn't look at the computer and I couldn't do work and I just had always had blurry vision Mm -hmm. and then I would get my vision checked and sometimes my vision would be fine and then sometimes it would be really blurry so they were like I'm not sure no one picked it up of course (laughs) and so I had these had these glasses and I wore them on and off all throughout my life and then yeah a couple years ago once I kind of got to the end of my big trauma Mm-hmm. and I realized what dissociation was and I came out of it and I I was like I don't have any vision pro- I have great vision yeah. <laughs> and I've chucked my I've chucked my glasses out I don't need them and I know when I go into dissociation sometimes something will just randomly set me off and I'll be like oh okay interesting but yeah it's gone and That's I was phenomenal. like I wonder how many people yeah. have glasses that are just dissociated yeah. that should be something <laughs> We need like trauma-informed optometrists. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's just fascinated. Like I've always kind of had a hunch because I noticed my vision. It goes a little bit blurry sometimes, but it's usually to do with my state of like my nervous system and like I probably am dissociating. And so when you said that, I was like, that makes so much sense. And now I'm like, no, I get it. Cause I've always kind of felt it's like, I don't want to go and get glasses cause I don't want to rely on them and get my vision being worse. And I just always had the hunch. It wasn't actually yes. vision related. Um, so hearing that from you, I was like, oh my God, okay. I'm not making something up or I'm not like completely <laughs> whacked out thinking that it's possible to heal vision without getting the glasses. Um, so many people yeah, commented on that and were like, is yeah. this real or is this a joke? Is this a real real or is it a joke? I'm like, no, yeah. it's real. And like, yeah. And when it is, when you are dissociated, it feels like there's a um, film over your eyes. Like yeah. I used to blink all the time. Like, why is there like a, like a, like a blurry film on my eyes? Like yeah. it's, it does really affect your vision. Totally. And it also takes that layer of awareness because we can just think it's like our vision or we can actually be like, oh no, hold on. Like when we've got that deeper self-awareness because we've been on this path, we're like, oh, actually this is dissociation. So yeah, Yeah. mind-blowing stuff. I love it. (laughs) 
it's amazing yeah (laughs) yeah totally I feel like I could talk to you for hours because there's probably so many other rabbit holes we could go (laughs) down and everything but to kind of like bring this conversation to a close um is there anything else that you would love to share um yeah that just feels relevant in this moment I feel like one of the messages that I really wanted to get out this year especially um or like it's probably been like an ongoing theme over the last couple of years but one of the messages that I guess I wanted to get out there for people was that I kept kept seeing people that were like you know oh like I just don't think healing is possible for me like Mm -hmm. there's this message of like I've tried a few different things like I just don't think healing is possible for me or it won't work for me or my trauma is too big or too intense or you know a psychologist told me that I'll just have to live with that forever because you know it's I'm never going to fully heal from that or whatever and I think my the most important message for me is that like it is possible and that and it, it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what happened to you and I preach this all the time and I have people that come to me with these huge big traumas like I said and they have those same thoughts of it's not going to work it's not going to happen for me and it does every time and it is possible mm-hmm. no matter what happened to you like it doesn't matter how many things happen to you how big your trauma is yes it takes time but like healing is absolutely possible for every single person yeah I love that it's so true it's never no hope there's always something that can be done absolutely absolutely yeah beautiful and where can the listeners find you and continue to follow your journey and learn from you and work with you and all of the things um, there's a couple of different places. So like on Instagram, I'm Jessica Ella Ainsworth. And then same with my website, jessicaallainsworth.com.au. And then the modality itself, like, so I've got, um, like it's got like heal. I want, like, I want to learn how to be a healer or I want to be healed. So you can look at those two different options to look at like the modality, but then also if you want healing, there's a directory in there of people that have like finished and completed their studies so if you want someone that does like the modality that I do as well um there's a heap of them in there too and they've all got different things that they work with like some are like a ruka and breath work and then some are like psychic and a ruka and like so there's lots of different blends of people in there so that's um yeah yeah and what's the website for that one aruka.com.au yeah aruka.com.au which is double a-r-u-k-a yeah amazing and I'll pop all the links in the show notes and everywhere that this episode is shared but thank you so much for being here today I've had so much fun and yeah it's just been so incredible being able to get this information out to the world so thank you for being here thank you for being of service and doing all of the things that you do do thank you thanks for having me it was really good super easy I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I would love for you to leave me a review via the Apple Podcasts app and let me know what you think. I'm always open to feedback and if you have any dream guests or topic requests, please feel free to send me a direct message or an email. If you know anyone else that this episode could benefit, I would be so grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we can help even more people live a nourished life. Your support means so much to me and I appreciate you being here.